cliffcentral.com. All right, it is time for our first episode this morning of Democracy 101. So we know next year we have an election. And I'd like to welcome to the studio, before we even carry on, Maseko Sheburi, who is the IEC's Deputy Chief Electoral Officer, DCEO, who's responsible for electoral operations. It's not his first time in the studio, so Maseko, very nice to have you back. Welcome. Uh, good morning, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> very nice to have you here. All right, so let's begin, because the whole purpose of this new series of podcasts is to help people understand what kind of a political environment we're in in South Africa, and I don't mean with the parties or any of that stuff. I mean, what is the system yes. that South Africa subscribes to? Mm-hmm. What is the kind of government, what is, the, what is the, 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 the structure of the institutions around our democracy? And I think let's just start off because we did a little test around the office the other day. We asked everybody who works here. It's not a huge group of people, but we said, what is democracy? And Masejo, we saw eight different versions of what democracy might be. People have an idea of what they think democracy is, but I don't know if they actually go and look up the definition. Yeah. And when you look it up, it says a system of government by the whole population or all the eligible members of a state, typically through elected representatives. And I think it's become like a rallying cry. But, you know, Nazi Germany was technically yeah. a democracy, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, people will say that China is a democracy. Mm-hmm. They will say that the United States is a democracy. These are very different countries. Mm. And they'll say that South Africa was a democracy from 1994 because all the population got to vote. But here you see in the definition, it says eligible. all the eligible members of a state too. So in countries where they restrict voting or where only men get to vote or where only property owners get to vote, they could also have called themselves democracies. So it comes from ancient Greece, mm-hmm. where I think it was first used, where they used to actually have all the men in the town would meet, I think it was every couple of days, and they'd pass laws. Yes. And they didn't have representatives, so actually every single person who was eligible could pitch up. Mm. And if there was a quorum, yes. they would vote. That's how they'd make the rules for the society. Obviously, these days, I think it's, it's evolved to a point where people think Democracy includes a lot of things which it might or might not, depending on the nature of each state. But in South Africa, the reason we care about democracy is because it came at the end of a long struggle yes. in which before it had changed in 1994, we had a minority of the population deciding everything for the majority of the population, which is unsustainable long term. Mm -hmm. It was part of the reason that things had to change in South Africa. Plus, you can't deny people the vote and continue to be a legitimate government if, you know, 80% of the population has no say and no interest in who are governing the country. That government isn't really legitimate, is it? No, it's not. And you have no need for me, Gareth, because your historical introduction (laughs) is very spot on. You've answered the question that you've asked. Well, Uh, the evolution is that every person must be involved in arranging the public affairs of their community or their country. But with population growth, it is not possible for people. We can't all gather in the, on, on the hill like yes, they used to in or ancient under Athens. A tree yeah. to, have, <laughs> yeah, exactly. to have a say on every aspect in our community. And right. therefore, democracy has evolved to what we have in South Africa, a representative democracy, 
with elements of participation in it. In other words, every five years, we elect men and women who hopefully will arrange our public affairs in our interest so that we don't have to gather ever so often to, to give a decision on every little aspect. It has components of participation in that in, in making laws, Parliament is enjoined to undertake meaningful public participation. In passing budget, uh, municipalities and indeed provinces must have an element of involvement by the community so that people reaffirm what their priorities are in terms of how state resources are redistributed. So in crisp terms, democracy in South Africa is just a process of selecting men and, we men and women who uh, organize our public affairs okay, uh, but on then, our behalf. Because you're jumping ahead on some of these yeah. things, because there are two other things. Mm -hmm. When people describe South Africa, they go, oh, it's a democracy, mm -hmm. which we are. I mean, there's no way we don't fit that definition I yes. gave earlier. Mm -hmm. It worries me that less people participate sure. in our democracy than in some other countries. But mm -hmm. we'll get to that in sure. a second because that's part of what the IEC is trying to do mm -hmm. is to get more people involved. And I think it's what everyone in this country realizes needs to happen because whichever government manages to get the most people to come to the polls and vote for them, that government has extra – they have a mandate mm -hmm. from the people and they have extra legitimacy. But – the other two terms that people use to describe South Africa, and maybe you can help us just factor these into it too, is people say, well, we're not a democracy, we're a republic because we're the Republic of South Africa. You know, that's actually our... Oh, oh it's just, uh, I think your, your ways is telling you... He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to give me answers. My apologies. Your ways is trying to answer questions about the republic. Right. But, but, but the republic is part of the system because... We are a, a sovereign state, mm -hmm. right? And a republic means you have people who, you, who represent you. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's democracy, but it's also a republic because we can't all go to parliament. Yes. Yes. So that's correct. Indeed. A state in which the supreme power is held by the people mm. and their elected representatives and which has an elected or nominated president rather than a king or a queen. Yes. So a republic then is a departure from feudal times, from monarchies, right. from anointed leadership right. to elected leadership. But right. in there, they are also the republic also speaks to the construct of the state where the concept of uh, separation of powers become to emerge. For example... You have a legislative arm mm -hmm. that holds the government accountable for their mm -hmm. performance, and you have a judiciary which is independent, which right. interprets uh, the law. So you have the three branches, um, branches of the state uh, that hold each other accountable. They are Their roles may be complementary, but they are a distinct uh, yeah. uh, char characters of the state. And then people also add the word constitutional to our definition. Yes. So now, instead of just being a democracy, mm -hmm. we have to take into consideration that actually we are, we are a constitutional democracy, which is also a republic. Yeah. Indeed. And that goes <laughs> to your definition earlier on to say in pre-1994 uh, South Africa, you could call it a democracy, but it was not a constitutional democracy. No. It was a parliamentary democracy because whatever parliament said the court enforced. So in right. a constitutional democracy, parliament, however powerful, is still subject to the constitution like every one of us. So each of the three uh, arms of the state are judged against the constitutional standard. So actions that are inconsistent with the constitution 
however powerful, however the person who makes those decisions stand to be struck down because they are inconsistent with the constitution. In simple terms, the constitution now reigns supreme. It's that no is the supreme law of the our law land. law that is made by, by, and, by and, parliament. And in our constitution, it provides for how things will work, including Indeed. elections, yes. which we'll get to in a second. This is your area of expertise. Mm. But I think it's really important that we establish these things up front because people aren't taught this at school, sadly. Uh, you know, we don't have civics mm-hmm. as a subject. And I think it would probably be a good idea, you know, if government are looking at, uh, at, at at matric exams at the moment and looking at next year and looking at what they can do in basic education, it would be a good thing for us to start teaching the young people of this country what they've inherited and how hard fought this inheritance is. Mm. Because it's not just to be ignored. And we've got lots of young people in South Africa who are extremely apathetic, mm-hmm. who are not necessarily involved in even the five-year cycle of elections. They're not even involved uh, in, in the day-to-day institutional democratic structures, which need them to survive and to, and to thrive. So I think this stuff is, is massively important. There are three branches of government you just mentioned already. So this is the leg- legislature, which mm-hmm. means... This is the body which makes the laws. Yes. They are elected because we, we, we elect parliament. Yes. Parliament then chooses the president. Indeed. We don't have separate presidential elections like no. in America. Mm. So what we do when we go to the polls is we're essentially voting for parties that will, or individuals that will be in parliament. Yes. Those people are entrusted to make the laws. Yes. They also, from parliament, will select a president – Yes, and usually the, usually the majority, majority party will choose that president, president yes. because he needs enough votes to get 50 plus one. Mm-hmm. And then he establishes the executive, which is the second branch of government. Indeed. That executive is charged, as opposed to parliament, which is there to make the rules, the executive is there to enforce the rules. Mm-hmm. And then you get the third branch of government, which is not elected. These are judges, the judiciary, mm-hmm. the courts – which under the Constitution are there to apply the Constitution and to apply all the laws that Parliament creates against the Constitution, Indeed, yes. which is why you hear so often in the courts that a certain law is unconstitutional and is struck down. Yes. Judges, of course, are appointed for life so that they don't have to answer to politicians. Mm-hmm. And many people have problems with the judges. There's a big situation that was going on before October the 7th in Israel about judicial reform. But essentially... As the IEC, you don't have very much to do with the judiciary, except that they will occasionally rule that something you're doing is correct or incorrect according to the Constitution. That's correct. And and, and part of the constitutional construct, the Constitution goes a step further and creates certain institutions which it tasks with the responsibility of ensuring uh, constitutionalism. Uh, it's, we are one of those. And famously, we've got our Chapter 11 institutions. We are Chapter 9 institutions. And Chapter and 9 you institutions. have uh, institutions like the Public Protector. You have right. the Auditor General. So we all come together under the construct of democracy, and we have specific roles in enforcing a certain elements of the Constitution. Our part is to make sure that we give effect to the promise of regular free, fair elections on the basis of a common voters' role and for all adult citizens. So that is uh, our role in ensuring... What you guys do is so important because Mm -hmm. the IEC, first word is independent. Yes. Yes. You can't be influenced by the political parties Mm -hmm. and 
people are very nervous about that because yes. we've seen in so many countries, including the United States, where people are influencing elections, there are lobbyists, there are politicians themselves, the structures of these political parties that that try to um, influence things and not always in a good direction. Mm -hmm. So independence, the first important part. But based on that description of how government is meant to work, you guys come right at the start of it. Because if there isn't an IEC to make sure that the elections take place, everything else falls apart. There won't be a parliament because we won't have elected representatives. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then parliament can't form an executive. Mm -hmm. And there's no one to test any laws against the, the judiciary. Mm -hmm. So the IEC is tremendously important. And, and they've just, am, am I right to say that they haven't really given you an increase in your budget because the IEC needs a lot of money to run. You need to employ people, you need to set up polling stations, you need mm -hmm. to demarcate areas which will, will form municipalities or wards. Mm -hmm. Those wards and municipalities need councillors for mm -hmm. in the local and provincial elections. So there's a lot of work that goes on here. Have you got enough money? Let's put it uh, crisply. Yes, we have <laughs> enough money to run a decent election next year. You're the only guy in the whole country who says you have enough money. Uh, there are we private think we could do <laughs> with more, <laughs> but right. we are mindful of the other competing uh, interests in the country, healthcare, education, crime fighting, and those type of things. But the resources that the... South, Afri South African public has placed at our disposal are enough for us to run a decent election next year. All right. And you do this every five years, the, the, the national elections. Indeed. So the last one we had five years ago, well, it's now just four years ago, but mm -hmm. it will be five by the time the next ones roll around. Um, these are the ones that have established the government which has been governing South Africa for the last five years, but mm -hmm. that party has been in power now for 28 years. Mm -hmm. So we're getting up to 30 years. Democracy is turning 30 next year too, which is a big reason to celebrate. Um, are we concerned about those free and fair terms that you used earlier? Free and fair elections, still very much something that South Africa can be proud of? It's something that we must always aspire to. It's something that the commission judges uh, Jealously, because if you remove that, there's no reason for the commission to exist, or at right. least in its current form. So that is a constitutional promise. It is not something that we do because uh, we like. Uh, but the good thing is that uh, with the number of court decisions, the concept has begun to be distilled so that there is meaning to, to the words. Because other than that, it, it was just words, free and fair. Yeah. And every player would interpret it the way they want to interpret it. It's a difficult concept. We went to the constitutional court. The constitutional court told us there's no golden standard. There's no universal standard that defines free and fair elections. Uh, you run an election within a context. You do your best. And if someone is not happy with the outcome or they think there were elements that were not free, that were not fair, that rise enough to go to the heart of those elections, that person can go to court to challenge uh, that election. But from our part... We understand free and fair election to mean that all persons who are eligible to participate must be able to participate. In our case, there is a regulation requirement that a person must be registered on the roll before they can... But vote. let's just start sure. before that, because in order to qualify for mm -hmm. a vote in South Africa, you need to be a citizen. That's correct. So you can't be a citizen of a foreign country. No. You have to have an identification of some kind 
because when you go there, they need to know it's you yeah. who's yes. voting and not someone who died five years ago. Indeed. Um, you need to be over 18. To vote, yes. Are there any other conditions? No, you need to be over 18 to vote, but you can register when you turn 16. Okay, yeah. so registration then forms the next level of mm -hmm. qualification. And yes. then after that, you must just appear on voting day. On voting day, yes. Who decides when voting day happens? The, for national and provincial elections, the president in consultation with the premiers decide on the day. They don't have cut blanche. Mm. There's a, Is there a window period that a window he has period, to operate in? Yes, the constitution tells us. So, I mean, us, Cyril can't decide, <laughs> now we're going to do this in uh, November. No, because the constitution tells us that an election must be held <laughs> within 90 days <laughs> of the end of term. The current term was inaugurated in May 2019. Mm -hmm. Its five years will lapse in May 2024. So it has to happen. From that day, within 90 days, that's the yeah. window period. You can't go and call an election beyond the 14th of August, 2024. So I'm going to read this question for you because mm. I think this is going to deal with a lot of the concerns people have around free and fair elections, the independence of the IEC. Um, people are justifiably concerned because we've seen this breakdown in many other countries. And, you know, we've seen conspiracy theories crop up everywhere. So Congo Chris says... Please ask your esteemed guest what backstops and oversight there is in place to ensure the independence of the IEC. Mm. I, as a registered voter, have, not, have, have lost faith and I fear that the IEC has been captured. Okay. Put his fears at rest. Tell him what, uh, the, what you okay. know to be true. All right. The, the structure of the IEC is, is as follows. We have the administration headed by the chief electoral officer. We are the people who run election, administer elections. Mm -hmm. However, we report to what you could call a board, for want of a better word, a commission made up of five individuals, one of whom must be a judge. Okay. So they are responsible for the first line of defense, providing oversight over the, over the administration. We report to parliament via the Portfolio Committee on Home Affairs. And we also have a system that, we, that has served us very well that we've imported to most of the jurisdictions that run election called a political liaison committee where we have structured interaction with political, with political parties and contestants so that we share information related to the planning for elections, the data that we have at our disposal. To allay crisis fears, one, a person appears only once on the voter's roll. Mm -hmm. You can't appear more than twice with the same ID number. You are registered against a single segment, meaning if you are registered in Sentin, you can only vote in Sentin. You can't vote anywhere else because your name will only appear on the Sentin segment of the voter's roll. Mm -hmm. Three, on voting day, we have contestants that are represented by their agents at voting stations who can raise objections uh, against a person being allowed to vote, a person not being allowed to vote. The presiding officer must deal with that objection. If the party still remains aggrieved, they can raise an ob objection with the commission and the commission is in law bound not to release the result until it has dealt with all the, the ah. objections. Counting of votes happens in front of agents at the station. So we do not move 
ballots after we vote. Uh, we turn the station into a counting center. Mm -hmm. We count in the presence of party agents. Parties will sign the result slips to, to ensure that they agree. And they can all the see. They bicker and yes. they fight with each other, but they can all see what's going on. What's going on. They can even take images of the result slip. Uh -huh. And when we finish counting, we leave one copy of the result slip at the station as a public announcement that these are the results for the station. So that even in transit, if we try to fiddle with those results, people have a, a, a copy of the result that, they, that was left at the station. When we get to a local store side of the IC, the first thing we do is to scan that result into an image. Mm -hmm. And we start a process of double capture. We employ independent uh, independent firm of, of, of auditors that audit each result slip to show that even on election day, mm -hmm. two plus two still remains a four, mm -hmm. and not a four for other parties and a six for one, one other party. Right. And at that point, the parties then have access to those results the same way as the media has, the same way as we have. So we do not have a sight of the results a minute or a second earlier than any other person. Mm -hmm. So we receive the result at the same time as parties, as media, as media persons. So, and at that point, people can then compare the results that we've captured into our system against the result that their party agents signed off at the station. Mm -hmm. If there are discrepancies, yeah, they can raise an objection. And I've, that I've objection been to the election centre for, yeah. for two elections and I've yes. seen it myself and mm -hmm. it's amazing how quickly those results come in. I mean, mm -hmm. you see some of the, the results that uh, even, even in America take sometimes when there's a disputed area, weeks yeah. to sort it out. We've never had delays that long, have no, we? No, no, we've not had delays that long. We've had instances where results were overturned uh, because right. uh, two plus two was something other than four. And so, so when, when an objection is raised, the commission looks at these things. And in most instances, they'll say, let's recount in the presence of party agents so that we can reconstruct the, the result. In most instances, the results are confirmed, but... Mm. In last year's election, 2021 elections, we had 11 such instances where a result had to be changed after they were announced. Okay. And people who say, well, you know, because you hear these conspiracy theories, it usually comes from people who are not very well informed in the first place, but that, for example, oh, no, they will bust people in from, I don't know, Mozambique, Lesotho, uh, Zimbabwe, mm -hmm. that these people will suddenly be allowed to just join the voters' roll on voters' day. That's, that's impossible to do. You compile a voters' roll ahead of each election, and the number of things must coexist for that uh, 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 eventuality to arise. One, when you present your ID document, we scan it, and we instantaneously compare it against the National Population Register, mm -hmm. which is a database of all citizens uh, housed and maintained by the Department of Home Affairs. Right. If Home Affairs confirms that that ID number belongs to a South African citizen, only then do we include you on the, on the segment of the voters' roll. You must provide us a description of an address where you reside, and against that, we register you against that segment. Before an election, before the CEO certifies the voters' role for use for an election, we make that voters' role available how for many, that purpose. How many people are on the voters' role at the moment? Speaking, we have now we have 26.8 million South Africans on the voters' role. It's a lot of people there. It's a lot but, of people. But it's, but it's still not even a half of the, of the eligible total voters. Population. What population is that? The Stats SA estimates that there's 38 million uh, okay. age-eligible citizens. Uh, so of those, there's 36 million on the voters' roll. So the gap is about 10. over 11, 12 million. Hmm. Hmm. 
Just before we move on, because I know Bakabanti's got questions for you too, um, just tell us about the chief electoral officer, Sai Mamabolo, mm-hmm. because um, you know it's useful to know these people. We, we've met you before here mm. four and a half years ago, but uh, tell us about the chief electoral officer. Uh, Sai Mamabolo is a South African, born and bred uh, in Tembisa. He went to Vets, he worked uh, for Idasa, he worked for government for a stint. Uh, he, He's a child of the IEC, if I could put it that way. A All consummate right. professional, a very ethical person, a frugal personality, and I'm proud to call him my boss. And he's been so for what uh, I've started working with him in the IEC in 20, 2009. Mm-hmm. And, and the level of consistency is just uh, is just surprising. But above all, he's just a patriotic South African who... And, and he's been... Uh, to among other countries, Australia, Botswana, Brazil, Ghana, Liberia, Mexico, Mozambique, Panama, Zimbabwe, to see how there's a, their elections happen. And also he was um, part of the program for the preparation of the 2006 presidential and legislative elections in the DRC, among If there's others. a project that, stressed, that stretched the country, it's that project because yeah. we had to help step in to help DRC with the uh, first ever democratic elections in 2006. He was one of two key people who were responsible for, for that project. Incidentally, he's the CEO. The former other gentleman who was in, uh, uh, intimately involved is Musoto Miyabia, who is now our chairperson. He was the DCO or deputy chief electoral officer. He became CEO. He's now the chairperson. Sai was the head of the province in Gauteng. He became deputy chief electoral officer for operations and subsequently was appointed. Yes, uh, I, I have a difficult job because uh, I sit on the chair that <laughs> two former people sat on the chairperson and the and the CEO. So I can't innovate too much because we try to innovate. They tell you, no, we, we tried that five years back. <laughs> it, it's not a new thing. <laughs> what, what sort of... Um, training do you do with IEC employees and the people who, because a lot of of people will also Mm. on election day volunteer, Mm. but to make sure that the people on the ground know what they're doing? Okay. Before I I come to that question, uh, there's a question that you asked earlier on. Mm. We have a memorandum of understanding with the Department of Basic Education. We have developed civic content Uh for young persons at primary level, for senior secondary schools, and for high schools. Okay. So through that memorandum, we do a focused period uh, called uh, School Democracy Week to align with uh, the month of April. Is that being done now? It is being done now. It has been done for a number of years. But our key is to infuse that content into the curriculum so that it's not seen as a stand alone, mm-hmm. as a standalone thing. Whether it becomes part of life orientation or any such. Uh, content, uh, I think it is important. It is impartial information, which mm. tells you about the construct of the state, how you hold yes. those elected to account, how you elect them, and all those type of things. That, that is what my question mm. was actually mm. around. It was about in terms of fairness, wouldn't you say voter education is also important in that? And do you guys ensure that people know these things so that you don't have people not trusting the election, you have people understanding how mm. the machinery works? Mm-hmm. Not an expert level like you, yes. obviously from the inside, but in order to be comfortable in the system, you need to understand how it works. Indeed, if you uh, if you go to first world countries or Scandinavian countries, their electoral systems work as well as they do 
because of the level of information and the level of sophistication among the population. Mm. And because people know what and what can be done, those elections are very simple to run. The level of trust are very high. Take, for example, South Korea. Yes. We have in South Africa about seven safety features on a ballot paper just mm -hmm. because so that you, you increase the level of trust yeah. Yeah. in the outcome of the elections. In a country like South Korea, they just print that thing at the voting station in black and white. They mail it to people by mail. People complete those and return it to uh, to, <laughs> to station. And that is perfectly good because it accords with the culture of that country. So information and knowledge is a key constituent part in the life of a democratic state. So when we have people who are informed, they, they can decipher fabrications from truth. They can see from uh, uh, manifestos. They can ask pointed questions. So we hear you're going to do this, mm. but if the country's your economy of the country is performing at less than a percentage, how are these things going to yes. be funded? So the engagement becomes very key in allowing people to make a decision on an informed basis. So that is not just a banal identity of yes. tribe, of race, and all other considerations. And then in terms of like holding people accountable, who watches the watchman? Who keeps you in line? Who keeps the man on the ground counting the ballots in line? Okay. Is it a trust system? Is it an ethical system? Are you guys held to some kind of code? We want to believe that we are, we are saints, but we, believe, we build a system for sinners. <laughs> <laughs> so there's checks and balances. The people that we use at voting station, uh, we recruit them from members of the public. Yes. There's a criteria that we've developed together with political parties that says we do not want a person who, who was a candidate in an election for a party, a person who has held an elected office in a party. Uh, we're looking because elections are very... Uh, cutthroat. Mm. We need a person with some relative level of supervisory experience mm. to extend the rigor right. during the elections to manage the station. Mm. So once a person meets that uh, requirement, we recruit them, we train them, and since COVID, we, it has allowed us now to do at least two of our modules uh, on, an, on a virtual platform, and that way, that is the basis on which we confirm people. You go there, you apply, we shortlist you, we make a test available to you. Based on how you perform, we confirm you as an employee of the Electoral Commission. And from then on, you go to the actual physical training on election on election management. We had looked at an accredited course that could be accredited by a university uh, so that if a person has that qualification, we know that the, the, there is some level of knowledge that yes. is in, in that person. We've not made... Uh, breakthrough in that, but it's something that we are persisting. We are persisting with, and once we've appointed those people, we give their names and the station at which we're going to deploy them to political parties to say, here are the list of people that we intend to use. Mm. Raise your objection against the acceptability on the basis of the of the criteria. So we don't do that on our own. So parties will come back to us and say, we know this person. Uh, he. He has a high political profile in the community that we want to use mm. him in. Mm. We object to their suitability. And in all instances where the objection is sustained, the commission will replace that person. So, Masejo, there was a big um, registration drive sure. just two weekends ago. And I don't know what the numbers there were. Perhaps you mm. can enlighten us a little bit. Were you satisfied with uh, the, the, the number of new registrations? 
and people who had lapsed as voters who are back on the voters' roll? Mm-hmm. Let's, put it, it let's, let's put it this way. Over the two days, we interacted with a minimum 2.9 million people. Hmm. 2.7 million of those are people who took the time, walked or drove to a voting station. Right. The balance 196,000 are people who had registered themselves using our online registration portal. Mm. Of those 295 people, the majority were people who were already on the roll. Okay. People who came out to inspect their details, mm. to check if their address is still linked to the voters' roll segment in which they are registered. The new registrations that yielded from that were about 526,000 first-time entrants on the voters' roll the majority of whom, or about 78%, were people in the age category 16 to 29. Yes. So while we're starting at a, long, at a very low base for young persons on the roll, we are uh, encouraged because in the two election cycles, the majority of people who registered for the first time were young persons. And we also know from the 2021 elections that once registered, young people are 10 times more likely to vote than any age group. Oh, cohort. really? Oh. Yes. In 2021, of the 71, of the first-time entrants, young persons, mm. 18 to 29, 71% of those who registered for the first time in 2021 came out and voted on voting day. So there is yet hope if we talk to young persons in the language they want to be spoken to, on platforms they want to be spoken on. Yeah. But more importantly, if parties... Uh, give them reason why they should uh, continue to be invested in democracy as a preferred way of organizing public affairs. Well, it is the responsibility of the parties to make people enthusiastic, to sell them a message Mm. that makes them want to go and vote. But a lot of young people in South Africa have just never participated. They've never bothered to register. Mm. They don't uh, have any interest in any of the parties. They're not really won over by any of the messaging that those parties are putting out there. Um, whose responsibility is it besides them, themselves, and really, I mean, I, I don't understand how people will choose in a democracy that is as hard-fought and as hard-won as ours is. And where we have the history we have, I don't understand why someone wouldn't take advantage of this right. It's the, one of the most important rights you have. You know, if you took it away from people, mm. I often think it would be really funny if the IEC had to go around saying, right, if you haven't voted in the last three elections, we're removing your right to vote. And then you'd see people suddenly go, no, 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 you can't do that. They'd be, out- <laughs> they'd be outraged. Yeah, they'd be outraged. You know? Uh, we, we, we deliberately don't use terms like apathy to ascribe mm. uh, to young persons because from the long research that we've done, we're delivering a number of lessons, some intuitive, some almost counterintuitive. Mm. Young persons are engaged with their affairs in their country. They just choose not to express those via formal political structures. The message that they tell us is that they have no faith in key political institutions, mm-hmm. which includes political parties yeah. and government. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even if we speak to them, uh, it's like speaking to a person who doesn't believe in childbirth and you come as a midwife. They have no need for your services. So... But we know what drives young persons' uh, alienation. They say parties are inward-focused. They have no 
concern with what happens in the country, but mm. only with themselves. But strangely, they say that once elected into public office, parties behave in the in the same way. So there is a lot that must be done mm. by parties mm. themselves uh, to rebrand them and appeal to young persons. Speaking about appealing mm. to people, let's yeah. talk. Let's not talk about people who don't want to vote, Gareth. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about people who want to vote, right. living abroad, Good. right? Sure. Good. So. Yes, people living abroad. Good, uh, good question. Mm. It's yeah, a huge so category how of do people. They, yeah, how do they go about registering? How do you guys manage elections and probably about, embassies okay. around the world? Yeah. Uh, for a number of elections now, South Africans abroad have been able to vote. We will have, we will announce uh, sometime this week the opportunity for South Africans abroad to register at the embassies uh, uh, overseas. Mm. Sometime in in Jan, we'll have three consecutive days where people can register. We are also finalizing and testing our online platform to make it available to South Africans uh-huh. overseas so that instead of traveling from Sydney to Canberra, mm. a person can register online and, and, and they are on the voters' roll. Mm. Thirdly, in 2021, Parliament amended the law to make it even easier for South Africans who are already living abroad, who are already registered to vote. Before then, the, the law required that if you are registered, let's take, for example, in the UK, in uh, South Africa House in London. Mm. Over and above you being registered there, you also had to give notice of your intention to vote in London. So the, that requirement has been removed. Mm. We treat them like South Africans in the country. We assume that if you are registered against an embassy, you will go to that embassy to vote. Mm. Only those who for example, registered in the UK, but know that they'll be in uh, in France on election day. Only those need to give us yeah, a notice okay. so that we can uh, uh, make al- uh, allocations for them uh, in, 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 in France. We will have a registration drive for South Africans abroad. We will have a portal on which they can register themselves. We will have advan- a period of advanced voting for South Africans, which is typically seven or so days uh, before the elections in the country where people can vote in embassies. We finalized in, uh, our, uh, our agreements with the Department of uh, International Relations, who's responsible for managing those elections on our behalf. We finalized training content that will uh, now start uh, rolling, rolling out to them. London remains our biggest mission. Uh, Canberra, uh, Dubai is a growing mission. Uh, I think New York, yeah, and... Uh, Nigeria, strangely, uh, has a lot of activity, and I think uh, Cuba. Okay, well, I mean, if, if people in, you know, Sydney don't have to go to Canberra, that's a big move. No, uh, they, they still have to go to vote in Canberra because the voting station is only the mm. the embassy. The for registration purposes, Canberra is the middle of nowhere in Australia. <laughs> it's just, I mean, if most of the people in and obviously, the people in Perth, they don't get to vote then. <laughs> yes. Uh, they, unless they can physically travel to a station, they will unfortunately be unable to vote. There were moves uh, for Parliament to consider broadening uh, voting stations beyond just embassies. Yes. But then you go into equity of treatment for voters yeah. because there will be jurisdictions that are friendly diplomatically to South mm. Africa that will allow you to have other areas other than embassies, but the majority of countries will say, no, you, we only recognize 
your embassy, and that's where you operate. You can go mm. opening up. So, so here's an interesting pieces. question from Carl. He says, if every single person abroad did vote huh? for a single party, how many seats would they get in parliament? If every single person voted overseas for yeah. a single party. Uh, it's a difficult one to answer. Let's answer it that, this way. Um, for the last elections, 2019, we had, I think, 28 million South Africans who were registered mm. overseas. Wow. Of those about, what is it, 18 or 12 million, I stand to be corrected, about 18 and 12 million voted. If they voted for... Overseas a, people. Overseas people. Not not millions, sorry, Gareth. I, did I say millions? Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. 20, wow. so like, My <laughs> apologies. <laughs> 28,000. 28,000. Yes. Okay. And oh of God. those, around uh, 18,000 uh, voted. voted. Yes. And if you vote overseas... It's like me voting in the country, but outside the province where I'm registered. Mm. I only get One. the national, national vote. Yeah. You yes. don't get the yeah. pro so, provincial. So those persons, 18,000... Uh, How many seats is that? Votes will not get you even not a even single one. seat. Mm. Not even a fraction of a seat because huh. on average, a seat at the National Assembly would be about 88,000, 90,000 votes. Mm. Uh, but you could get a seat if though all those persons, those people voted for a single party. Okay. That party could get a seat on the highest remainders. Otherwise, um, after you follow allocated seats on the full quota, and you, there are still seats right, that but, remain but, to be But, uh, you know, if it matters to you, you must mm. make the necessary arrangements. David yes. says, I'm in the middle of Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he has much chance, but is there any chance he could vote at the embassy in Riyadh? Uh, we will f imminently receive the listing of all embassies okay uh, and then we'll place that on our website mm -hmm. uh, in the last elections we had 121 missions but as we understand we do not have missions in every in every country but if we have a mission in Riyadh he would be able to vote in Riyadh so here's a question which is a, a question for parliament not for the IEC yeah. but it's mm -hmm. still an interesting one why do we allow a criminal class to participate in voting surely being jailed <laughs> should disqualify someone from having a vote mm-hmm I mean, there are countries where they don't allow criminals to vote. In South Africa, the right to vote uh, was not uh, uh, automatic for prisoners. Uh, wasn't automatic. No, uh, prisoners only started voting, I think, in 2009, uh, following a constitutional court challenge. <laughs> uh, in I just forget the name. It's not Rechter. Uh, I think it was Necro versus Minister of uh, Home Affairs and the President. Probably Necro. Yeah, so, they, they, so they went to court to argue that the... Uh, so do you open up voting stations in prisons? We register prisoners. We go in January, we we'll go into all the prisons, register inmates. Huh. And on voting day, we send our teams in voting stations, uh, into, into prisons. Do they get special training? <laughs> uh, we administer the votes there. And uh, yeah, we count the votes outside of the prison. Hmm. Yes. Okay, um, more people have moved provinces, so they can vote anywhere on the national ballot, but if they haven't changed address, they can't vote in the provincial yeah. ballot. Is that correct? Patrick wants to know. The, as a rule, the rule is a person registers and votes against a voting district in which they are right. ordinary residents. Mm -hmm. So if you have moved address, even within a province, just go on our online portal and update your, your address details. So, so for all those people who are moving from the Eastern Cape and from Gauteng to the Western Cape, they all need to register in the new address. Mm. They must register against an address in the Western Cape 
and we'll make we make their registration details available to parties on a voting on a, mm. on a monthly basis mm. so that parties have a sense of uh, where areas of growth are oh. in migration uh, and and migration out of uh, certain provinces okay so here's a, a question from chris and we were actually trying to get him on and i think mm. you you've more or less answered this in terms of foreign voters but he says i am registered to vote i'm struggling to figure out how to vote from where i am abroad he's in the uk the VEC 10 deadline is not specified. The mm-hmm. website, website is showing error messages. Mm-hmm. Within my direct circle, there are probably 200 other South Africans in the same situation, many more not registered yet, and they are at risk of not voting at all. Mm-hmm. So what can those people do? Okay. And uh, maybe working with you, we should be able to get maybe channels to communicate with experts overseas. For those who are overseas and not registered mm-hmm. as voters, mm-hmm. Uh, they will have an opportunity to register at their embassy or online once we announce the go live of our of our uh, portal. Okay. I, I presume Chris is already registered mm-hmm. in the UK. Uh, because he's registered in the UK and if he intends to vote in the UK, he no longer has to a need to complete a VEC 10 form. A VEC 10 form was a form giving us notice that you are registered mm. and you intend to vote in that embassy. So they no longer, he, Chris no longer has to give us notice of a VEC, uh, VEC 10 form. Uh, okay. Yeah, but in general, we'll have a lot of more, a lot more details and would appreciate channels and websites that we could use to share information with South African support. All right, so on election day itself, you have a hell of a job. Um, because that's your busiest day. You're responsible for all the election day activities, the result counting, the result processing, the result collation, seat allocation. So what kind of a day, <laughs> when do you sleep and, and when do you wake up and when do you go to sleep on election day? <laughs> like what, what is that day like and when last did your family see you? <laughs> I, I have it easier and guys in national office and in provinces, maybe we have it easier. The guys who have it worse uh Guys at voting stations, mm. because from Monday, mm. they would be up from four in the morning to finalize their logistics to start dealing with special votes. And if, let me take a minute to deal with special votes. Yes, we yeah, have talk about what that. we call special votes, which is in simple terms, prior voting. Mm. And in there's two broad categories for prior voting. First are people who are physically unable to attend to a voting station. If you are disabled, infirm, or you are sick and confined to a place. You cause an application to be made on your behalf. We will come visit you at the uh, place of confinement and you vote with dignity from that place. The second category are people who know that they'll be away from their places of ordinary residence on Mm -hmm. voting day. So they'll vote on one of the two days uh, before 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 election day. These are what people going overseas or people like uh, can I just say I'm not going to be home Saturday. We we, we, we don't even need a reason. Uh, you just tell us. I'm oh away. really? Yeah, no. I'm away from my voting district. Uh, yeah, I, I apply for a special vote, okay. and if we approve you, how do you, you apply go to for a, vo- a special vote? You could, you, it's simple. You apply by SMS, mm-hmm. or oh. you can even go onto our uh, website. website and apply uh, on on our website. But that will only be available as soon as an election is called. Okay. So yeah. again, I mean, it seems to me that the IEC is trying to make it as easy as possible for people to vote. So mm. why do we uh, have people who make excuses? Oh, I'm going to be out of town. Oh, I'm on holiday. Oh, I've got to be at work. Oh, my and leg is sore. You get a public holiday. You get a public, public holiday, holiday as well. Mm. So, I mean, there's really, there's no excuse here. Mm. 
One thing that we must mention, if you don't mention, will be remiss. Uh, there was a provision in the past. We mm. called it Section 24, Capital A, mm -hmm. which was a narrow departure from the rule that you register and vote where you are registered. Mm -hmm. Section 24A was introduced to, to continue, uh, to, to facilitate the continued franchise of people who were working on voting day. For example, people in emergency services okay. or truck drivers who found themselves far from their area of registration. However, over time, that well-meaning narrow departure from the law has become abused to such an extent that in 2021, really? Parliament uh, revised it. It, it repealed it. It is available but only by prior notification oh, okay. in the date, in the timetable. So you can you can no longer walk into any voting station and say, here's proof that I'm registered, I want to vote at this voting station. Mm. So people who know that there will be a way, either you working in the media, you covering mm. election, on the day in the timetable, just send an SMS and indicate at which station you wish to vote, we'll make arrangement and, and approve your, your advanced voting on that basis. Well, here's uh, Carl who says he was a party agent in the last election. He got home at 3 a.m. Yes. And that's at a well-organized station. Mm -hmm. So it can get very long. It gets very long. And if people mm. lose, uh, they'll insist on recounts. Mm. And you recount and recount. Yeah, so we have it easy. We'll have mm. a moment to doze off on a chair. But the people at the voting station would have been up since Monday, 4 o'clock. If they have special votes on Monday and Tuesday. And on Wednesday, they must then pitch up again for election day, and they can't leave that station until they've issued a result for that station, which is, if they're lucky, like Carl says, uh, at 3 o'clock, if you're in Centin, Dunkeld West, yeah, by maybe 3 o'clock, you'll be like you'll leave. If you are in tough areas, tough stations, uh, you'll leave there Thursday, it's not exaggeration, exaggeration Thursday after, after midday. Now, Maseko, what about those places that are difficult? You mentioned some of them are, you know, there's some spots in South Africa where we haven't had uh, outrageous election violence, but where we've had threats of violence, or there have been incidents. What are you worried about? Because you have to be very aware of where there could be potential flashpoints. Mm -hmm. You know, providing a safe and free and fair election is also about security. Indeed. So what are you what are you worried about? Because we've had people talk about uh, KwaZulu Natal, yes. uh, parts of Mpumalanga. Uh, are, are there areas that you are paying special attention to to make sure that everything runs smoothly? It will be foolhardy and derelict not to do so. Right. Uh, we are worried by uh, what we see as reemergence of violence linked to elections yes. mm. in 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 KZN. And the commission has had interaction with parties in that part of the country, including the leadership of the South African police services to say this, this worrying development, if they are not arrested soon, uh, they may get out of hand. Uh, so they, we have commitments from all in, uh, stakeholders that uh, that's, it's, it's not in the best interest of, of anyone. However, our biggest worry uh, uh, is the misinformation, fake news, the misuse of uh, mm. social media mm. to drive down participations in certain areas and to spread misinformation that is calculated to impact on, on voter behavior. And because we have so low levels of literacy on mm. social media yes. and information, 
uh, we are worried that the uh, those things, the Cambridge Analytica tricks, uh, might be unleashed uh, in the South African in the South African context. Yes. We have started work with the major platforms. Uh, they've uh, committed to on a self-regulatory gentleman's agreement to Flat. try to help us to take down content mm -hmm. which is established to be fake news and and those type of things. So the test will be when the election is okay. called, when the campaign starts in earnest, whether those agreements will be able uh, will be able to hold. Not because we want a, 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 to want to want to do a easy job, but because we want people to cast their and their vote on an informed basis and not uh, having been influenced by untruths. Sure. Sure. I just have one more question, Gary. Go ahead. So. Who, like, okay, so I have been at a couple of varsities where we were voting and the IEC was in charge. How do you determine whether you guys will be in charge of an election? How does one make, like, like stuff like that? How do you ensure that elections go on in that lower levels? Okay. We used to do <coughs> SRC elections yes. in varsities, yes. almost wall to wall. But increasingly, we are pulling out because... Yes. Uh, those elections have now other interests more than just the interest of student population. Mm -hmm. They are almost a proxy battles for, for political parties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The second thing is that our level, our involvement was to work with SRCs and university administrators to also align their SRC constitution mm -hmm. to be in line with the country constitution. Mm -hmm. So where we could not make uh, headway, would withdraw uh, uh uh, assistance uh, because for example you come to a varsity and they'll tell you know first years can't stand uh, for SRC it might be well meaning mm. uh, but it's no longer <laughs> that contest is no longer universal so, it doesn't mean that a Masiko who stayed three years at Vets and didn't pass didn't progress up to second year why should he have more rights to yeah. to be <laughs> SRC so member? if you find it to be unconstitutional we'd work with them in the initial stages and they would agree we'll change those things if they don't you if you don't we'll say this doesn't meet this doesn't meet the basic things for a free and fair election so we'd rather not be involved uh, we'd rather not be involved uh, which universities election. are still under IEC because most universities have now moved for a online mm -hmm. form of uh, SRC elections. We're no longer involved with administration of elections. Uh, we are there maybe as advisors or, or sounding or sounding pots. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Look, but there are universities that refuse to do elections if we are not uh, involved. Yeah. I don't uh, envy you the task <laughs> at hand, but I <laughs> think it's hugely important what's going on here. <laughs> and you've already administered six general elections. You've been involved in six of our general elections, so you know this stuff like the back of your hand. So I would be involved in all. I've been involved since 2009. Sure. I don't have that much experience. But the good thing with the, with the, with the IEC is that uh, we have a very low uh, turnover rate of staff. So mm -hmm. most of our staff would have been people who, who've been here from the formative years. Some cut their teeth in the DRC. So we have a cohort have you ever had to strong. fire anyone because they were actually secretly working for one of the parties? <laughs> uh, at the level of a voting station, we fired people who behaved in a manner inconsistent with our code of oh, conduct. Really? Yes. Mm. Mm. Uh, for example, no, in 20, 2019, there was a presiding officer in KZN who was found to have stuffed the ballot box with 
marked ballots. Yes, and yeah, they were. We dismissed them on the spot, but the matter went to court, and I think she was given a, 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 a fine uh, and a suspend, suspended custodial sentence. Mm. Yeah, so we we take a very dim view of uh, bad behavior because. Look, a country can burn because of something that happens at yeah. a voting station. Oh, yeah. Uh, can just one, I'm sure. Sure, sure, sure. Right? Go, go, go. But ballot, ballot papers, you yes. mentioned that there were like, like seven countermeasures you guys put in place to yes. prevent tampering. Mm. What are they? Can you tell us those? I can tell you some, not all. Okay. Uh, for example, if you try to photocopy that, it will not give you anything. It will just write, it will just, uh, you'll have an image that says void. Mm. Oh, really? Yes. And if you use a magnifying glass, you'll find text there, which we sometimes spell incorrectly, deliberately, so that, uh, oh. uh, yeah. And there's a color combination uh, on those things. So, yeah. Uh, not uh, as strong as a currency, but uh, <laughs> strong enough uh, such that even if it falls in wrong hands, it can't be reproduced. Or even That's if someone were to lay their hands on our plate, mm. if they produce those ballots, we'll know that they're outside okay. of the serial range that we we know we must use for an election okay hmm all right well i'm afraid we're out of time uh, i've found this fascinating I'm, I'm sure that lots of other people have plenty of comments about how important this kind of uh stuff is polyphila saying thank you for this very informative show great stuff and thank you to the iec for being available and thank you Masejo, for coming in to see us because this is our country and we've got to make sure that we know how the elections work and what our role is in, in the elections as well as the role of the IEC. But um, power to you. I hope that it goes very well. And thank you for your time. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Very good. We're hopefully helping to get people uh, informed so they can make important decisions about their own futures. And that goes for you if you haven't registered yet to vote. There is still another opportunity coming up, right? There is an opportunity coming up, yes. Okay, there we go. So make sure you're ready to vote when the election rolls around in any time after May next year. Yeah. Thank you so much for the, uh, the, the the time that you've spent here, Masejo Shiburi, the IEC's Deputy Chief Electoral Officer. And that is Democracy 101. First episode this morning and the first of many. Cheers, everybody. See you tomorrow.